Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. This is our daily devotional for October 19th, 2023, and I hope that all of you are doing very well and enjoying this beautiful, beautiful fall week. Um, by the time this actually airs, it'll be two days ago. We did make it up to Highland County in Monterey and Bluegrass Valley and all those wonderful places, and y'all, I... I genuinely think that this is the best the colors have been since we've lived here for six years, which is strange because of the drought and that kind of thing. But who knows? It's uh, I can tell you it is spectacular out there right now. So if you haven't made that trip, if you're local to me, I would encourage you to do it. You know, people talk about the Blue Ridge Parkway and Skyline Drive all day and, you know, you can keep that where it's really at is uh, is up in uh, Highland County there, um, bluegrass, that area. So anyway, um, it is good to be back with you this morning, and I'm assuming that it's morning. Maybe it's afternoon or evening, but no matter what the time, I'm glad that we are together, especially given where we come to today. If you recall yesterday, we sort of reached a turning point in Paul and Barnabas's missionary journey, wherein they stopped and sort of turned around and went back to the places they had been, back to places that had accepted the gospel of Christ, and they went there to strengthen the brothers, right? You have these established churches, they're all linked together, and so Paul and Barnabas went with this message of enduring hardships, but that the kingdom of God awaits, eternal reward awaits. But also they encourage these churches by helping them to choose elders, elders to rule over the affairs of the church. Now that might seem incidental, but in reality, what we witnessed yesterday was God's system of church government that he gave through the apostles. Right? And if you doubt that, we're in Acts chapter 15 today, the first Presbytery meeting, which is ironic because this is the last devotional of the week. And then on Saturday, myself and a couple of my elders will go to represent Old Providence. And then we have uh, someone else that will be there from Old Providence too. But we have our Presbytery meeting for the Virginia Presbytery this coming Saturday. Now, I'm getting ahead of myself. What am I talking about here? Presbyter, Presbytery, all these different words, elders. We're going to see. But first, let's pray. Our Father, please be with us now as we come to your word, this, this section of your word that for many doesn't may not mean much of anything, but, but should, um, not only because of the establishment of church government here that you have set in place, but even more importantly, because what we come to today goes back to the core of this Jewish Gentile question and, and what it really means to be a follower of Christ. So give us clarity as we come to your word by your Holy Spirit. Turn the lights on so that we would see. And we pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. Now, we are in Acts chapter 15. If you recall, where we left things with Paul and Barnabas was, again, they had made their way back through. They were staying with, uh, well, you can look at verse 25, or excuse me, verse 27. Um, on arriving there, and, and the there is going back to Antioch. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how God had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. As a side note, what a beautiful expression that is, the door of faith. And then it says in verse 28, and they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Now, chapter 15, some men came down from Judea to Antioch. 
and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised, according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Now, time out, pause. Do you get the dynamic that's going on here? Remember where Christianity was really launched. Yeah, we're not going to flip back there, but, but rewind to Acts chapter 2. Peter preaches his great sermon where? Pentecost, right? In Jerusalem, in Judea, okay? The church launches there. It begins building force and building force. And then Paul and Barnabas and others are sent out to share the gospel. Along the way, Paul and Barnabas in particular become convicted that their calling is to not only share the gospel with Jews, but to share the gospel with Gentiles. Now, the dynamic that we find is that while Paul and Barnabas are still in Antioch after making their big missionary journeys, some men from Judea show up, and they're bringing a specific message with them. It's not the message of the gospel at all. In fact, it's a message of adding requirements to the gospel. Again, listen to what they said. Some men, Acts 15, verse 1. Some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised, according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Now, if you listen to what I just said, I said this wasn't a gospel message. Right? And, and it's not. It's an addition to the gospel. But furthermore, something is revealed there. They're not saying this to non-saved people, to, to unsaved people. They are saying this, quote, to the brothers, or they were teaching the brothers. So these are people that have already been converted to Christianity. And what they're saying is, hey, listen, unless you're circumcised, you can't be saved. Now, put yourself in their sandals, I guess. Put yourself in their sandals, their shoes, right? They sure thought that they had been saved, right? They've been baptized after all, but now these Jews that are maybe Christians, I, I don't know. It doesn't say brothers came down. It just says some men came down from Judea. Not apostles, not disciples, not brothers. It just says that some men came down from Judea. Are they saved? Maybe. And I use that term, you know, with a big asterisk mark because I don't know, y'all. I do know this, taking a step back from this. When it comes to false teaching, the scripture treats people that have been falsely taught very different from the false teachers, from those who propagate false teaching. You know, Jesus' message is to those who mislead his children, not to the misled children. You know, Jesus' message about better to have a millstone tied around your neck and thrown into the sea, that's for the false teachers. And these men that have shown up from Judea have certainly taken this mantle upon themselves of the false teacher by adding to the gospel. Now, you know, what does this have to do with you and me today? Y'all, the reality is that, well, <laughs> I'll take that back. Um, 10 or 15 years ago, I would have said, now look, you're probably never going to encounter somebody, men, that say in order to be a Christian, you got to be circumcised first. But in the last 10, 15 years or so, this thing has cropped up where Christians believe they have to follow all the Jewish laws and customs and that sort of thing. And I, 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 it's, it's ludicrous. It's unbiblical. It is false teaching. Again, there's a difference between the false teacher and the falsely taught. 
But 15 years ago, I would have said that somebody that came to you and said, hey, listen, in order to be a Christian, you got to start worshiping the Lord on Saturday. And also you can't eat any pork products. I would have called you crazy. But how many other things have happened in the last 15 years or so that you would have previously thought crazy? Right. But nevertheless, it doesn't matter what the dynamic is. It doesn't matter what the, 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 the issue is. Anything that is added to the gospel is false. Y'all, and that can be something like this that, hey, you got to be circumcised in order to do this, to, to become a believer. It could also be that you have to ascribe to this certain pattern of theology that you've got to be, you know, you've got to be able to speak in tongues. I mean, you know, we could go on and on about, you know, the different things that people would add to the gospel, um, but that's not terribly productive right now. My point is this, anything that someone adds to the gospel is going to be false, right? We are saved, Ephesians chapter two, we are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God so that no one may boast. That's it. That's it. We're saved by believing, period. Now, there are acts of obedience that we ought to carry out and we ought to follow through with. I'm not, not denying any of that, but it is not those things that save us. It is faith in Jesus Christ alone to the glory of God alone. That's it. Now, what we have here is they've shown up and they've said, you got to be circumcised. Can you read between the lines here? They're in Antioch, Gentile territory, right? With Gentiles, men, Jews, from Judea show up and say, hey, listen, they're reading between the lines, they're saying, hey, listen, you want to be a Christian? That's great, but you got to be a Jew first. Then you can be a Christian. What's the end result? Well, we don't know that yet, but what's the next result? Verse two, this brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. You know, the obvious is, is right there. As soon as these men show up from Judea and start preaching these things, Paul and Barnabas have a major problem with them. And so they get all the brothers together and they're sent along with some of the other brothers back to Jerusalem to figure this thing out. Verse three, the church sent them on their way. And as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told the Gent or they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the brothers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and by the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. All right, you get the dynamic here. Jews show up that call themselves Christians in Antioch, and they say, hey, if you want to be a Christian, you got to be a Jew first. This majorly causes a problem with Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas head back to Jerusalem. All along the way, they're telling about what God has done, how God has, has brought the nations to himself through the gospel of Jesus. Everyone is glad about this. However, verse five, then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. Guys, what we have here is the gauntlet being thrown down. Nothing more, nothing less. Um, they don't even get into the positive things that have happened. They just shuck the corn all the way down to the cob. 
Those Jews that were of the Pharisees that had become Christians or called themselves Christians lay it on the line and they say, hey, look, if they're going to be Christians, you know, they don't say Gentiles can't become Christians, but they say if they're going to become Christians, they need to be circumcised and they need to follow the law of Moses. Now, what is this talking about? This is not just talking about the Ten Commandments, y'all. That's an obvious thing, right? They're not saying, hey, they need to make sure that they're not out there murdering each other. No, 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 no. He's talking about, or they're talking about the ceremonial law. They're talking about those things that I just mentioned a few minutes ago. And if you ask me what my biggest problem is with this modern day movement in Christianity where people have to celebrate the feasts of the Old Testament and, and keep the dietary laws of the Old Testament, the only people you can find in the New Testament saying those things are these people. And it just makes me want to go and say to them, listen, what, what, what are you doing here? Have you not read Galatians? Have you not read the book of Hebrews? But nevertheless, that's what's going on in Jerusalem. And it points to a bigger issue. It points to the expansion of the church, yes. But it also points to the key problem, the key question of, all right, we have Christianity, but who's invited to the table? Who can really be saved? Who is worthy? And if you phrase the question in that way, it shows you that there's a flawed premise to begin with, doesn't it? Because the reality is that none of us are worthy. Y'all, a, a Jew that had been circumcised and followed the dietary laws and the ceremonial laws and kept all the feasts and all the Sabbaths it is in just as much need of grace as the Gentile who had never even heard of the temple. We're all sinners, saved by grace or unsaved. That's it. That's why the gospel is the grand divider between humanity, right? But they missed that. Um, and furthermore, this idea of adding to Christianity, that it's you know grace and faith plus fill in the blank equals salvation, no. There's nothing that you can fill in that blank with that is valid. And in fact, anything that you put in that blank spot, that faith plus blank equals salvation, it doesn't matter what you put in there. It's going to be wrong. Okay? There's all sorts of things that you can put in the equation after salvation, right? You have faith equals salvation, and then obedience, right? Then growing in the Lord, you know, the sanctifying process of dying to self and living under Christ, that's all valid. But that comes after, not before. And with this being the grand question of, hey, who's invited to the table? What are they going to do? Well, my friends, yesterday I talked about the establishment of the office of elder, and it's not really an establishment. It's just a continuation of what we see all throughout the Old Testament. We see it here in the New Testament. Paul and Barnabas went around and they helped the different churches elect elders for themselves, elders that would represent them and rule over the affairs of the church, not only their individual churches, but churches as a whole. I mentioned yesterday that there's no such thing as independent churches in the New Testament. All churches are linked together. All churches today should be linked together. We're not. 
We have difference of opinion on theology and all sorts of things going on, and I'm not even going to get into that right now. But nevertheless, the idea of just freestanding churches that answer only to themselves, oh, that would be repugnant. To, to, to the Lord, that, that, that there's this, there's such a thing as Lone Ranger Christianity? No, no. The Lord has built a connectional church. The connectional church where, take old Providence, for instance, if we go off the rails with liberalism or whatever, the presbytery steps in. We're linked together, you see. I mentioned that yesterday and I said, and if you doubt that, if you think I'm taking this stretch too far, wait till we get to chapter 15. This is why. Because after this conflict comes to a head, after it's all out on the table and they're facing this question, what are we going to do? Verse 6, the apostles and elders met to consider this question. Now, you might hear that and say, Okay, what <laughs> what does that have to do with Presbyterian? Y'all, again, the word Presbyterian is only the Greek word for elder, right? And what we have here, though, is a principle that is revealed. And that principle that is revealed is when it comes time to make decisions for the whole of the church, it's the elders that come together to make those decisions. This was a meeting of the presbyteroi. Right, that's the Greek word. That's where we get Presbyterian. Presbyteroi is what gathered together. The elders gathered together to consider the question, to make a decision about what to do. What do we find in Acts chapter 15? The council heading says the council at Jerusalem. And it was a council, but really more than a council, it was a presbytery meeting. It was a meeting of the presbyteroi. That's what you find there. And indeed, they would consider the question. And indeed, they would make a decision. But that's for next week. We're going to have to see what they decided because, as you can see, this is a pivotal moment, y'all. It's a pivotal moment. Um, what would they do? I, I can tell you this much. Uh, they would do the right thing because the Lord would intervene. But nevertheless, we'll get into that next week. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us, and we praise you that you are always at work, even in the way that you establish things, especially in the way you establish things. Let us take heart as we consider your goodness and your provision, and we thank you for that first Presbytery meeting, and we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be back Sunday morning at 10 a.m. We should be back in the sanctuary. So, Old Providence people, we'll be back to our regular schedule, 10 a.m. in the sanctuary, 9 a.m. Sunday school. Also, we'll be electing three elders, interestingly enough, given our subject content. And then afterwards, now one call is going to go out about this. Before, we said we'd be selecting paint and carpet color. Nope. On Sunday, the session is considered this. It's too complicated, so we're modifying the process. We are only choosing trim color this coming Lord's Day. So this coming Sunday, we will have a congregational meeting to elect elders and to pick out the trim color. That's the wooden, like the wainscoting part around the sanctuary. Then the next week, we'll pick wall colors, and then eventually we'll pick carpet colors. So we're slowing things down just to make wise decisions and handle this the wise way. Now, if anybody has any questions, reach out. I'll be happy to answer those. But we should be here at 10 a.m. Sunday morning. And then if, if something happens, Lord willing, we'll be here Monday morning at 6 a.m. But until then, get out there. Enjoy the, uh, the fall weather. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend.